eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, it's a not-so-idle, idle week for Illinois football. Two new commitments in the class of 2023, the latest on two top five in-state prospects that Illinois has a real chance with, and a few new offers for Illinois football. We will get a basketball and secret scrimmage and exhibition preview later this week with Derek Piper on the podcast, but today I just want to focus a little bit on football, uh, and it's just me today, Jeremy Warner, uh, as Joey Wagner enjoyed a well-deserved weekend off, and we're giving him that into Sunday evening. So let's start with a few quick hits on Illinois football before we dive into all of this recruiting news. Uh, Illinois moves up one spot in the AP Top 25 to number 17 as Kansas State loses to TCU, so they fall below Illinois. Uh, so the Illini gaining ground uh, in an off week. But more importantly, Illinois gains ground in the Big Ten West. Everything that could go Illinois' way this weekend went Illinois' way as they got some rest prepared for Nebraska because Wisconsin clobbered Purdue. I know the score looked a little closer at the end because Purdue scored a touchdown. They didn't score, uh, and, and they had some late yards in the passing game. But Wisconsin looked like the Wisconsin I expected most of the year. And Jim Leonard, I know he lost uh, to Michigan State in overtime, double overtime last week. But you know, two of the last three games, really the last three games, their offense is playing far better. Graham Mertz has been really good the last three games, nine touchdowns to one interception. And Braylon Allen looks like Braylon Allen after Illinois basically shut him out. Uh, but anyway... Purdue, when their passing attack is not going, and Aiden O'Connell threw three interceptions against Wisconsin for the second straight year, uh, when he's not great, Purdue doesn't really have a lot of other options, even though Devin Mockaby, uh, who's a walk-on running back, has been fantastic for them in, in recent weeks. He's been really a revelation for them. Um, that team just is not well-rounded. So Illinois, I think, is a much more well-rounded team if their passing attack isn't great. You know, they have a running game. If their running game is not great, they have a passing attack. And, of course, their defense is really, really good. Purdue in the trenches, just not quite up to par 
with some of these other teams. I think Wisconsin uh, really exposed that. So Illinois now leads the West by a half game. ESPN's FPI, which whatever you think of that metric or analytic, uh, it flipped about 14%. Uh, in favor of Illinois now winning the West at 54%. It was about, you know, 40, 42% going into the week. Um, so I think Illinois is probably favored by more than that. It's going to come down mostly to the head to head matchup. Uh, but if, if Illinois can beat Purdue and, and win two other games in the final five, they are a heavy, heavy favorite in the Big Ten West. And even if you don't think these teams have a chance, the other things that went right is Illinois gained even more separation over Iowa, Minnesota, and Northwestern, who all lost to Big Ten East opponents this weekend. So, with five games to go, Illinois is up a half game on Purdue. They're up one game on Nebraska. We'll talk about that here in a second. They're up one and a half over Wisconsin, but that's really more like three games or two and a half games because Illinois has the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. They're up two games over Minnesota, but again, Illinois has the tiebreaker, so it's more like three. Northwestern, they have a two-game lead, and Iowa, they have a two-game lead, but again, more like three because Illinois has the tiebreaker. So it's really shaping up right now to be an Illinois, Purdue, and Nebraska um, Big Ten West race. And I catch myself there because I think most of us have watched Nebraska. Uh, and Nebraska has not been impressive this season. They did take care of business, though, against Indiana. And they found a way to come back against Rutgers. Those are two really bad teams. Of course, Illinois lost to Indiana. So it, uh, anything can happen in these games. But that's why this weekend is a huge game for Illinois. They're all big games, right? But Illinois is a five and a half point favorite over Nebraska. Uh, they opened up as that might change by the time you, you hear this, but they opened up as a five and a half point favorite on the road uh, in a place that always is going to fill up, right? The sellout streak they have, but you know, Purdue is off and Nebraska is just a game back of Illinois. So I would label this separation week for Illinois. You kind of had it during your off week, but this is really a time that you can take control of the West beat Nebraska, go up two games on them, basically knock them out of this race. ESPN's FPI, at least, knows that Nebraska's not a, not a real threat. I think they have them at 0.2% uh, chance to win the Big Ten West. That would go down to zero. Uh, if you beat Nebraska because you basically have a three-game lead with a tiebreaker over them, and then you set up for it's you and Purdue, and Purdue doesn't have Michigan on the schedule. They have a, a better schedule than you have, but they still got Iowa. They still got some teams uh, that they have to beat, and I think they have more flaws than Illinois, but if you can get up a game on them going into Michigan State and then setting up that huge game, I, I think if you simply win this week and, and win against Purdue, you feel pretty dang good about your chances to win the Big Ten West because Northwestern uh, is still on the schedule. But it starts this weekend uh, at Nebraska, uh, and Nebraska has an explosive offense, right? I, I think the offense is legit. Casey Thompson's a talented, athletic quarterback. I don't know if he's an upgrade over Adrian Martinez. Obviously, we're seeing that this year uh, with Kansas State, but he's talented, uh, and he can make plays. Anthony Grant is a talented running back, not playing as well against the, the tougher competition, but uh, he's had some 100-yard games. Trey Palmer is one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten. He just absolutely demolished Purdue. But they have to do it, of course, the Cornhuskers, against Illinois' defense. And that's easier said than done. But there's a Nebraska team that is averaging 29 points per game. So they do have the chance to be explosive. So Illinois has to tackle. They have to do all the things they've done this year uh, and continue to do it. Because I do think Nebraska... You know, can score multiple touchdowns uh, against Illinois' defense. I think they're capable of that. But 
Nebraska's defense stinks. They're allowing 31 points per game. They gave up 31 to Northwestern, and we've seen that offense. They've given up 45 to Georgia Southern. Shouts to, to Clay Helton. 49 to an Oklahoma team that isn't very good. 43 to Purdue, which we know they're good. Are they that good? Uh, they've allowed 175 rushing yards in five of seven games this year. They've allowed 220 or more passing yards in six of seven games this year. I think Illinois and Barry Loney Jr., who's had to go up against some really tough defenses the last three weeks, I think they could be in for a big game. So if the Illinois defense keeps uh, Nebraska in the teens or under 20, I uh, the same thing. Uh, but I, I think if, if Illinois keeps them to 20 or under, I, I think they have a great chance of winning this game because I do think Chase Brown, maybe Josh McCray uh, has a big game. I think Tommy DeVito and, and these wide receivers can get a lot of separation against this Nebraska defense. But any, any week in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West, I think they're all going to be competitive games for the most part outside of Northwestern. So Nebraska's an opponent, obviously Illinois has to respect. And, and, and I have no... You know, fans are, are saying, hey, we can't look past this Nebraska team. I think Illinois has proven they're not going to do that. Um, I, I think this coaching staff has, has figured that out. So even if you think and you're confident now against Nebraska, it doesn't mean Illinois is going to be overconfident. So you got to take it. You got to take care of the ball. That's the most important thing uh, when you get into these games because you are the better team. You just can't make as many mistakes, turning the ball over, penalties, missed tackles, those kind of things. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's talk some Illinois football recruiting. Two commits on the board in this class. Let's start with the JUCO offensive lineman Desmond Schuster out of Hutchinson Community College, originally out of Louisiana, was a non-qualifier out of high school, so he goes the JUCO route. Didn't play his first years. His coach told me uh, it was due to some some paperwork issues. Didn't have an injury or anything like that, uh, but it was due to some insurance uh, issues. Um, so he didn't play his first year. Probably wouldn't have played because they had a lot of COVID guys and, and Power 5 prospects. So he preserves that redshirt year, which is good for Illinois here. But he could be an immediate impact option with Illinois likely losing we know they're losing two starters in Alex Pilstrom uh, and obviously Alex Palczewski, but Julian Pearl could be an NFL prospect. NFL teams are really infatuated with his length uh, and, and his foot speed. So, and he's a fifth year guy. So does he want to come back for a sixth year school, sixth season? Not sure. Uh, I don't know if he's a guaranteed draft pick, of course. So that that's where Brett Bielma's pitch comes in. And Isaiah Adams, guys, is having a phenomenal season. People in the program think uh, not only all Big Ten, but he should be maybe in the All-America 
conversation. I don't know if I'll go the All-America conversation yet, but I do think he's one of the best guards in the Big Ten right now, uh, and I think he'd be one of the best tackles in the Big Ten next year because I think he'd move out to tackle. That would be my pitch to Illinois. Is, yeah, Isaiah, you might be able to be a you know day three pick this year. Maybe he's higher than that. I don't know. I don't know what they would grade him. I think he could be day two next year. I, I think he is a really impressive prospect that maybe with another year could be a really, really high-ceiling high uh, prospect, high-four prospect in the draft as well. But back to Schuster. So Illinois needs guys that, that can fill spots, right? Uh, and they don't want to go to redshirt freshmen to, to play next year. I think you're seeing with Iowa how, how that goes. We've seen it with Illinois in years past. Like Going up with 18-, 19-year-old offensive linemen does not work out very well. So even if Hunter Whitenack could play next year, you don't want to, really want to throw Joey Oko to the Wolves or you know some of these freshmen coming in. I, I think Illinois needs more time with that. But Schuster, six foot five, three hundred eleven pounds, so clearly physically uh, is ready to play. He needs to to hone his body a little bit more, add some strength. He is raw, in my opinion, offensive line wise. But he is at Hutch, which is a good good JUCO program, really good JUCO program. But Illinois is really fascinated about is his length. 37-inch arms. That would be the longest at last year's NFL Combine. 85-inch wingspan. That would be the second longest at last year's Combine. Um, if he, Illinois was the only offer when, when Desmond committed uh, during the week. Well, if you were doubting it, Nebraska offered this week. I, I will say Nebraska is offering everyone. But it's, it's a nice feather in your cap. They feel like another Big Ten school wants him. And I, I, don't, I don't think Schuster is going to flip to Nebraska or anything like that. I think he committed to Illinois for reasons. Uh, but Schuster's got some similarities to Zy Chrysler in that he's raw, but he has physical gifts. I think he'll go through some growing pains if he has to play early. I do think he'd be a guard option next year, probably not tackle. But uh, I think he's got potential eventually uh, to, to play on the outside given the length that he has. But I, I think he'll compete at one of those guard spots. The only... The only downside here, I guess if you call it downside, is, is Schuster, unlike a lot of JUCOs, likely can't enroll until the summer. Um, Illinois wants to get him in here for the spring, like Chrysler, because that was so important for him and Adams. Uh, but he likely won't, his coach told me, uh, due to his academic progress. So probably not going to get in here for the spring. So he'll have to get up to speed pretty quickly, and he'll probably go through some growing pains if he has to play. But Illinois is going to continue its JUCO push. Just getting Schuster doesn't mean – that they're not going to go hard for more guys. And they've already hosted two other guys. Keyshawn Blackstock was on campus along with Schuster, so I don't think one's going to affect the other. Uh, they were kind of hanging out together uh, during the game against Minnesota. And Keyshawn Blackstock is a stud. Six foot five, 320 pounds, ridiculous athlete for his size, and just nasty on the field. Like, you're going to plug him in day one as a guard starter, and I think he's going to be great. He's got an offer list that has just exploded. Uh, but I do think it says a lot that, that Illinois was his first official visit. Doesn't have any others uh, quite you know, locked in yet to go anywhere else on an official visit. I think Illinois set a really high bar, but he's probably going to take some other visits and then make a decision. But I think Illinois right now would be considered the leader, given that he's the only official visit. We'll have to see how the rest of that goes out. Penn State, a bunch of other Power 5 offers. Um, so he, he's got plenty of options. Illinois also hosted Isaiah Miller, who's a no-doubt day-one starter at tackle. And they need some tackle bodies if they're going to lose Pearl or Adams or both. He's committed to Ole Miss, but he's a top-five overall Juco prospect right now, according to both the Composite and 24-7 Sports. 
he's just what they look like. Uh, you know, he's probably a better prospect than Isaiah Adams was at this point last year. Just has size, length, athleticism. Uh, and Illinois is in the mix. Can, can they flip him? I'm not sure, but uh, they're certainly in the mix. And, and they'll, they'll look for at least one more transfer to add to the offensive line, whether it's Blackstock or Miller. Uh, and I think they'd take both. I think they'd take two more on the offensive line because you want to stay old and you want to, you know, stay big on the offensive line. Illinois is certainly doing that. And Schuster will help with that, whether it's short or long term. He's got three years of eligibility. He's going to make an impact on this offensive line at some point. All right, the other one, Sabor Kareem. I love this prospect. He's six foot three, 185 pounds, and so much of the focus, and I understand why, has been on Jair Hill during the class of 2023. And believe me, I understand it. Jair Hill is one of my favorite favorite prospects in this class and favorite targets. I think he'd be the biggest uh, addition Illinois can make in this 2023 class. But throughout this recruiting class, I've kind of hinted, mentioned uh, at Illini Inquirer that I think Sabor Kareem isn't quite the prospect of Jair Hill, but he's pretty dang close. 6'3", 185, ridiculous athleticism, great ball skills. Like, you look at his film, it's mostly wide receiver stuff. And Illinois fans, as they do, they want to change positions uh, and put him at wide receiver. Um, Well, if they land a wide receiver that we'll talk about here, I I don't know if you need him over there. But they love long defensive backs. And Sabor Kareem is a really long defensive back. Reminds you a little bit of Jair, if you want to compare him to Tyson Rooks who's just so intriguingly long, and the staff loves how quick he can turn his hips. Like, you know, usually you get 6'3 defensive backs, they, they can't turn, they're a little stiff, right? Sabor Kareem can do that. And, and one of the parts I love about Sabor, uh, and you learn this as you, as you evaluate more and more, guys who play multiple sports, these staffs care about. Because there's just certain things that translate, like a wrestler, offensive lineman who wrestle, or defensive linemen who wrestle tend to understand leverage just naturally a little bit more because that's what wrestling is about. And that translates uh, to football. And you got to be quick in wrestling. That translates uh, to football. Track, obviously, translates. And, and guys learn how to run. They learn how to run fast. Like, yes, you have to learn how to do those things and, and form and uh, you, you know, help your quick twitch muscles, all those things. Sabor plays lacrosse. And you got to be quick in and out of breaks in lacrosse. I'm not a lacrosse expert, but I've seen the sport. You got to be quick and change direction really quick and great hand eye coordination, all those different things. And I think that translates to football. He's he's got quick hips for for a guy who's who's so long and he can change direction really really well. Um, and he's just got toughness about him as well, even if he's got to add some strength. So he's just a very intriguing prospect. Don't know if he'll be able to make an immediate impact. Like Tyson Rooks uh, wasn't going to really make a huge immediate impact because he's got to add strength. He's got to learn the game more. But Tyson Rooks was a great tennis player. Some of the same things with tennis and lacrosse uh, I think apply here. And, and you know, Sabor is also a pretty good basketball player as well. So I, I love when guys play different sports like that. But you add Sabor Kareem, who took a while with this recruitment um, but he always seemed to love Illinois. And people around him, I know, were infatuated with Duke's academics. You know, Syracuse was involved uh, and, and thought to be the leader at one point of this recruitment. But uh, Illinois has done a fantastic job. Andy Boo in New Jersey has done a great job. Five commitments from New Jersey. Most of those started with Andy Boo uh, and his connections out there from his time in Maryland and Rutgers. Uh, but Aaron Henry did a great job. And Illinois has a type, man. 
Um, you look at the last couple classes of defensive backs, they got some smaller guys. You know, TJ Griffin's not the tallest guy, but great ball skills as a free safety. Um, Xavier Scott, under six foot, not the tallest guy, but he's really fast, and I think they like him at the nickel spot. But Matthew Bailey, 6'2", 6'3", right? Sabor um, Kareem, 6'3". Jaheim Clark, 6'1", and his wingspan is longer than that. Zachary Tobe, Toby is 6'1". So Jair Hill, 6'3". Tyson Rook, 6'3". Elijah McCantos, over 6'0 at cornerback. They want length. They love ball skill. They, they they need those ball skills, obviously, and they love a tenacity about them. And that's what I like about Jaheim Clark. He's really got tenacity about him when he comes up and runs support. Um, so these guys all have that kind of cornerback edge to them, but they really want longer defensive backs. And they took over a room that, you know, Taz Nicholson's not the longest guy. Devin Witherspoon's long, not tall. Tyler Strain, small. D.D. Snyder, small, right? Like the, outside of Prince Green and some of these other guys, it's a smaller DB room. They're definitely getting longer there. They're definitely getting longer at wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, if Sabora doesn't work out at DB, I think he could play receiver. I think Kanari Wilcher could be a great slot wide receiver uh, if they wanted to move him there. But they're recruiting all those guys for defensive backs. So before you change their positions, it's nice to have the option, right? That's what the point is about. Like you have the option of this guy's a good football player in multiple ways. You don't need to figure out his position now. Get him in here. They want him as a DB. See how it all shakes out. And if he's on the third team by his second or third year, maybe you switch him to wide receiver. That's how this thing goes. But that's all to say. I'm high on Sabor Kareem. I think he's got among those DBs as high of a ceiling as any of them. And I'm higher on Jaheim Clark than a lot of people. But uh, Sabor Kareem is high ceiling guy, and if you could add Jair Hill to that group of DBs, oh, Hill, Kareem, Clark, Wilcher, Toby—it's a lot of different kind of guys, but a lot of length, a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. So what Aaron Henry and Ryan Walters are doing back there, pretty dang good. All right, let's talk about the two top five in-state guys who are uncommitted, and Illinois has a chance of both of them. Malik Elsey, the big news, decommitted from Cincinnati. You know, this was starting to brew, it felt like, uh, the last couple weeks. I think anybody who's kind of looked at Malik Elsey's likes on Twitter, which is popular, um, it was pretty clear. Illinois was still kind of on his mind. And when he committed to Cincinnati, it felt like Illinois was pretty high in, in Malik Elsey's heart. You know, Malik doesn't do a lot of interviews. And I reached out to him after his official visit, as I do with most of these guys, and said, hey, would you like to catch up? Uh, I'd appreciate the time. And Malik was like, absolutely going to do it. And Malik was kind of hard to get uh, sometimes. We'd get him in person. He was great, great kid. Um, but, you know, just reaching out to any reason. I don't try to push too hard for, for kids that don't want to do it because I'm a 35-year-old guy. I don't need to be <laughs> creeping on these kids too much. But he really wanted to do an interview. And, you know, I was expecting maybe a five-minute interview. Lasted for 15, 20 minutes, just raving about Illinois, about the possibility of playing for Illinois. And that was the first time I was like, oh, they might get him. Because Illinois, George McDonald told him when George McDonald was hired, I'm going to recruit you until the very end uh, because I think you need to be here, basically. And George McDonald has done that. The Cincinnati commitment did not stop George McDonald or Illinois from pushing. And Malik was very receptive, obviously. 
to to Illinois still recruiting him. But I felt when when I talked to him that Illinois might be the leader. And from what I understood in talking to people, Malik made other people feel like Illinois was the leader. But then you'd hear from other sources that, oh, it's Cincinnati still in the lead. Um, some people around him still like Tennessee and Michigan. I didn't hear that much from Malik. Felt like Illinois, Cincinnati the entire time. So he commits to Cincinnati, which was, I couldn't blame the kid. I mean, think about Illinois in June. Barry Lunny was just hired. Their passing offense was one of the worst in the country. Haven't had a wide receiver drafted in, in a long time. While Cincinnati was coming off college football playoff, nine players being drafted, including Alec Pierce, who was a second-round pick, and a kid out of Chicagoland, right, that, that Illinois didn't offer under Lovey Smith. It's pretty easy. When you stack up those pros and cons, like, yeah, you can have your heart pulling you maybe one way, but when you're trying to make a decision with your head and heart, like, you got to weigh all these different things, and Cincinnati looked like a pretty good decision for him, uh, objectively. But, obviously, the Illinois pitch has changed. Uh, Illinois is winning games. They're ranked higher than Cincinnati at this point. Uh, Brett Bielma seems to be turning this program around, and they have a passing offense that actually is competent. Look what Pat Bryant's doing. Pat Bryant's a really talented prospect. Malik Elzey's got a higher ceiling than him, but they're similar players, and you can now sell. This is how we would use you. What Pat, what uh, Brian Hightower is doing, four-star prospect. Like you can do some of those things, and maybe even better. So now you have actual things on paper, on film, that this is our offense rather than selling. Oh, it's going to be different. Trust me. Now you can say, oh, trust us because it's on film. That's a huge step for, for Illinois, and I, th- I think Malik has always really liked Illinois. So you've seen crystal balls go in, including me, Steve Wolfong, Alan True. I think Illinois is the leader. I don't think it's done yet, but Alan and Steve are really good at what they do, and Illinois seems to have a little bit of confidence here. That said, it's a recruitment again, right? And does Tennessee get more involved? Does some other SEC program get more involved? You know, is is Malik all in on Illinois? We'll find out in, in due time. But this is still a very good news for Illinois that he decommits from Cincinnati. And I think Illinois is the leader in the clubhouse. And if you can close on Malik Elzey along with Caden Fagan, so two of the top five prospects, two of the guys I thought when this class started, those are the two guys I think Illinois might have the best chance to land and could make as big of an impact as anybody – but the number one might have been Jair Hill. And I don't have a lot more to, to say about Jair Hill because it's still a two-team race. And it's Illinois and it's Michigan. Michigan is Michigan. They're in the hunt for another for a second straight college football playoff berth. They're in the hunt for a, a Big Ten championship. Illinois technically is too. And, and they have that in front of them, right? So that's what's great about Illinois sell the Jair um, and Michigan, obviously, draft picks the big house. He just visited there his first time. And I mean, you go to the big house, it's it's 100,000 people. It's just hard to explain, except you're in the middle of 100,000 people singing Mr. Brightside, right? Like, it's, it's just different at Michigan. But Illinois was the first offer. Michigan was the second. And these two teams have been fighting back and forth the entire time. And on paper, Michigan has the advantage. But then... You look at Jair, he's in, from Kankakee. Kankakee is more like Champagne than Chicago. And Illinois, it's an hour away. His family can get there at every game. And more importantly, Illinois has really done well with the connections. 
Like Jim Harbaugh has done really well in that recruitment here recently, it seems like. But that's been more of a recent thing where he's gotten involved. Like Brett Bielma has been really involved there. Ryan Walters has been really involved. The entire staff, basically, at times, is going to Kankakee to go visit him. Like they are pushing really hard. And more importantly, Jair's just got to look at the, the free safety position at Illinois. Right? Kirby Joseph has five picks in 10 games, becomes a third round draft pick. Just saw him forced to fumble, by the way, in the NFL. Kendall Smith, let's be honest, was a special teamer for five years at Illinois. You're, I think you're just hoping he'd be a serviceable starter this year. He's got four picks. One of them way more impressive than the other three, but that's what this defense does. It allows that guy to make that many plays and be in position to make that many plays. And if you're as talented as Jair, who I think he's an Antonio Johnson-level prospect, it's got to be enticing to, to play in that defense and play that spot because that's where Ryan Walters wants to play him. So uh, good luck reading Jair. I've talked with him many times. He doesn't say much. Uh, he doesn't let on much. He switches between Michigan gear and Illinois gear. Like the first time I saw them play week one against Chicago Nazareth, he was wearing a Michigan hat, Michigan shoes. And then against uh, Crete Moni this weekend, he's wearing Illinois gloves. So I, I don't know if you can put much into there. You'd rather see him in those things, I think, than not. I know Illinois fans have this curse of the gloves and jerseys and, you know, Sean Livingston and all that. But um, Jire Hill really likes Illinois. He really likes Michigan. It's going to be fascinating to find out. I don't have much of an inkling. I don't have much of an inkling of where he's going to go. Um, but it's fascinating recruitment because it's usually at this point, if a guy liked Michigan that much and wanted to pick Michigan, wouldn't even pick Michigan. I, I think that's credit to Illinois. And it's way improved sell here for a player of the caliber of Jair Hill. Also, Illinois has made a few new offers as we wrap up here. I always find late offers intriguing because, to be honest with you, they're the most complete evaluations. Like, usually all these guys are committed by the start of their senior season. Well, the senior season is when they're playing their best, matured the most, all those different things. Um, so guys like Gabe Ackes, guys like uh, James Crutes, guys like Matthew Bailey. Like, some of these are the best evaluations Illinois made last year, and they're the last ones. So I, I always find that really Intriguing because some guys might develop a little bit early. It doesn't mean the early guys aren't talented because obviously they are, and most of them are recruited really early because they're really, really talented. But I just always find that the late offer is really intriguing. Uh, and Illinois offered Missouri defensive lineman Alex Bray, who reminds me a lot of Mason Moragan, who's having another great year uh, playing high school football in Michigan. 6'3, 6'4, 250 pounds. Um, could be seen as a tweener. You know, he only had a couple FBS offers, a couple MAC offers. And that could be because he's a tweener. Uh, Illinois loves tweeners <laughs> in, the, in this defense. Uh, and I know people don't like the term multiple, like they think it's cliche. Uh, Ryan Walter's defense definitely is multiple. Um, but a guy who might be a little undersized for a defensive end for a team that runs a four man front, uh, but a little undersized for that team also at defense tackle. He could be a perfect fit in this defense because, you know, they play the four-eye shade or they play the three technique. And that's what Johnny Newton does. Johnny Newton's not the longest guy. He's not a nose tackle. not your traditional, you know, guy that that goes defensive tackle there, but uh, more of the three technique that can play there. Keith Randolph uh, isn't the most, like the quickest guy you want on the edge, but he can play the edge, but he can play nose. Like, 
Illinois just really likes these versatile guys, and Moragan is like that. Alex Bray is like that. Good athlete, good size, good frame. I think he's going to add 40, 50 pounds pretty easily for the first couple years, uh, but he is just tenacious. Him and Moragan are just really advanced technically, but they're just turn on their film and it's just that's the word I keep coming back to is they just play with ferocity and tenacity and uh, you like those guys and Alex Bray has a confidence about him he thinks he's a four star prospect I like that he's like I, I've been waiting for this I don't know why it's take, taking so long for a power five school to offer me uh, so obviously Illinois in a good position there being the first power five offer and then Illinois offered Florida edge rusher Maverick Gracio I didn't know they were going after another edge rusher but they must really like this kid. And if you look up the film, you look at the stats, he's got 17 sacks in nine games. Florida outside linebackers like Gabe Ackes have been pretty good to them. Uh, he's not as big as Gabe. He's 6'3", 230-ish. Um, but really good pass rusher. And people ask me, like, why do you think they, they offered him? I don't know. Is Seth Coleman an NFL draft prospect? Um, do they envision something else i i haven't checked in yet on this like pat farrell i think could be a defensive lineman if they need to you could bulk up and do that um but maybe they just really like this kid maybe somebody you know maybe there's attrition at this position i don't know but um this is a kid that they obviously believe in brett bielma called him up himself and the film proves it man he's a really good athlete uh again tenacious ferocious and uh, Brett Beam has got good connections down there in Florida. So, again, I, I just think the overall take here is I find these late offers intriguing because Illinois has been pretty good at him. Josh McCray, I guess I could add to that, right? Um, Keontae Curry uh, was one of those. No, it doesn't always work. DJ Johnson didn't work. He transferred out after a year. But these, these late offers always really intrigue me, and these guys uh, have pretty dang good film. So, uh, obviously, it's the first Power 5 offers. You get these guys on campus, and, and you feel like you can – uh, have a chance to, to close. Gracio is currently committed out of Kent State, by the way. So, Sean Lewis, apologies, man, but uh, there's some bigger fish. Eventually, you'll get a Power 5 head coaching job, I would imagine, at least a, a group of five because he's a dang good offensive coach. All right, that's going to wrap it up uh, for this version of the Illini Inquirer podcast. A lot of stuff going on in recruiting. Hopefully, we covered it all for you. And you can check out IlliniInquirer.com for all the latest there. Just did a huge mailbag. I think it was like 7,000 words. Uh, but great questions by everybody. I'll have some updates uh, on Gratio. Just talked with him. Ryan Easterling has an update on Malik Elzey. You can read his own words. Uh, Sky Clark update uh, from Joey Wagner on the site. My Big Ten power rankings are up there and so much more. And if you're listening to this before Monday night, you have a couple hours left for the two-month for $1 VIP membership sale right now. So if you've wanted to try out Illini Inquirer, think of the next two months. That takes you through the start of the basketball season, signing day for basketball, uh, and the early signing period for football. Great time to do it, just $1. So you get two months, $1. If you want to keep going, then you keep going. If you don't, okay, you got two months for $1. Uh, and it's definitely worth it. So check us out there at IlliniInquirer.com. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate that. Give us a rating review as well, and check us out on YouTube. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Sunday after the equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. 
of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.